This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check this out. It is free. No, I'm serious. It's free, 100%. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor then distributes that podcast for you, and you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from that podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. At the count of three, Jeanette and Lou, limited fake Billy Bassfish. One, two, three. Take me to the river. And we are back with an episode of Post Post Game. A special episode after a few weeks off, so we do apologize. We have some uh, normal guests as far as Lou in sales or Lou Rafter in sales. Best known as Bruce in sales on Friday nights. We have our president, founder of our organization, Eric, a.k.a. Mike Ryan Fan Account, b.k.a. Goat Piss Mike Fan Account. And then we have the most efficient joke teller of the group, Jeanette, which is at J her, and I forget everything that comes after that. So if you want to tell us where to find you, Jeanette, you can. Yes, it's at J her one seven. Obviously, so no, so, no worries about that. You got it. You've, I'm forgiven. All right. So tonight we do have a quick, obviously impromptu, I think, edition, as we weren't quite sure if we were going to be able to pull this off after a few weeks off. And honestly, I think the the biggest driver of today's conversation is going to be Lewin Sales because he has taken a lot of notes. He has a lot of things to talk about, and you're going to have to get him out of him or I will. So, Lou, I'm going to throw it to you for a few subjects. I know the first one you want to talk about was just employment at an early age. So what's good? Sure. So, you know, we you know how Witty talked about his first job was at Publix, and I was starting to think, I was like, man, like, I remember my first job. And so I was like, that would be a good topic for just, you know, because your first job is either very boring and nonchalant or just it's insane. And, you know, you're dealing with new people that you've never had to deal with before. Uh, so and I'll go first. So mine, mine was kind of pretty boring. I worked at a machine shop and uh, it, it was, I mean, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Like all I had to do was I was cutting uh, large pieces of metal all day. And then I would hand it off to the people and they put them in the big machines. But I kind of got like, it was like my first. So I went to like a, a, a small Christian public school, I mean, private school. And so I get out into like the semi quote real world of like, you know, people, real men and uh, ladies in the work industry. And like, you know, they're all smoking and cursing and it's kind of like, this is a new world to me, but it was fun. It was a blast, except. This was when I had a beard, and this was um, a kind of. <laughs> Hold not on, your so- first wait, wait, your first job you had a beard. 
Yeah, well, I was like, uh, my yeah, I didn't have a job until I was like seventeen. I guess I should have started that. Okay, okay. So <laughs> noted. Um, what a what a great world to live in. But continue. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yes, my uh, I I was very fortunate growing up. Don't feel bad. Had- my first job, no. even though I was fourteen, my last job, I'm thirty five and I haven't grown a beard since. So it's okay. You're good. <laughs> but it was. Uh, they, uh, oh man, this one guy, it was, it was kind of, well, obviously now you probably shouldn't be doing it, but they called me, uh, Osama for Osama bin Laden. So like, that's like this, this, this was the world I went from like a, you know, a small private Christian school to like into this where like, I don't know how to really respond other than this being like, okay. Thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs up. Yeah. So, uh, that was my first Osama's job been known job. for thumbs up. That's his way yeah. of communicating. <laughs> um, all right. That was not part of the pregame speech, but I'm definitely glad Bruce showed an appearance. So wait, your first off, and just a side note, your job was cutting metal, which is what my brother started off doing at a young age, yep. which is crazy because he just recently, which we talked about privately, like his career advancement is kind of one of those like zero to a hundred, like once you're there and then when you make it. So, but when you do break that wall, it kind of advances at a quick pace. Mm-hmm. Obviously that didn't happen for you because you decided to weld hats, which is kind of like yeah. cutting metal, except <laughs> yeah. not. Um, I mean, it's similar. Right. It's like you uh, program a machine to do a design and you basically kind of hit button. And then most of the time you're there kind of just guiding it to make sure that when the machine does machine things that you can fix it. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's making sure things operate by themselves. And then when they don't, you just kind of help them get back on track. Which if okay. you're a great manager, that's like managing people. You kind of sit back and just let them do them. And then you just kind of bump the idiot back in lane or you <laughs> replace the bolt. All right, so speaking of first jobs, I don't want to take over this because my first job is something that uh, we've talked about maybe on a few pods here and there. I don't know if it's ever made recording. So I won't take that over right now. I'll let Eric or Jeanette take it. So Jeanette, let's go ahead. Yeah, my first job was when I was in ninth grade. And being 14 at the time, there were not many jobs that you could actually do. Uh, You know, so many limitations. So one of the things that I did is uh, something that we have here in either Los Angeles, California. It's called Clean and Green. And basically, you go around your neighborhood and you clean up the neighborhood. So you go to somewhere where they, it's known for illegal dumping and you pick up the trash and you clean out alleys and you cut overgrown lawn and you move dump furniture. You paint over graffiti and sometimes we would do uh, murals to beautify the neighborhoods. And then when we would come back two weeks later, they would all be graffiti. So it was a never-ending cycle of dirtiness, and it was minimum wage, and my mom got really upset with me because she was, uh, she would be like, you don't even want to cut the, mow the lawn here at home, but you're going to do it somewhere else, so. Wow. Yeah. and hey, mom, uh, the, pay me minimum wage. <laughs> no, but the good thing about the job is uh, they paid us in cash, so they would show you, like, oh, yeah. hey, this so is how many taxes. hours you work, and no, they would take everything out. So they would give you the oh, okay. statement and here's like, here's your money because it's a bunch of middle school and high school kids uh, under 16 in the program. So they know we just want money. So they would just give us cash. And then one time it was payday and I was not paying attention. I think I had like $60 in my pocket and they fell out and I was so bummed. The worst. And then I was just like, I'm never doing this job again because it wasn't worth it. <laughs> All right, so there's two things I have to follow up with that. One, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take over after you just because I want to explain how I irresponsibly said so you don't have to pay taxes. But I'll explain that next. First, you said painting murals over graffiti, which one is disrespectful because graffiti 
being one of my favorite forms of art as I have a graffiti piece of my son's name on my arm. What were you painting? And are you like an artistic person? Were you coming up with ideas for the murals? No. So these were already like pre-planned murals. So if we were cleaning up, let's say uh, Martin Luther King Boulevard, right? The mural would have to do with the street. So it was already pre-planned. So we would just get our paint and it's like, this is the section that you're painting. You're painting in the letter and you're painting in red or you're doing yeah. the... the it was a coloring over, book for like, adults. The, the primary, yeah, well, I was right. a child. I was 14. I mean, 14 is not a child. You're grown by then, but sure. Stay within the lines, person, which is hard <laughs> for me because I, I'm not good at coloring. Well, and, and then you joined a podcast that refuses to stay within the line. So you're good. Don't worry about it. So yeah. to go into why I assumed there were no taxes paid, my first job before I throw it over to our president and founder of Lower After Hours. Uh, my, so my father, well known to not be around when he was around here and there, uh, his first job that he introduced me to was at a flea market where he would, he was a nighttime stock manager for either a CVS or Walgreens. And he would take the stuff that was quote unquote valuable off the night trucks and steal them, load them up. And we had a flea market. And I remember it was called TNT Enterprises, which you would think for my last name, if people know it, I'm not going to say it, uh, stands for that. But of course it doesn't. It just was TNT, like, because he's an idiot. So what I was doing at the age of 12, 13, this is middle school, was selling, and I'll share photos one day of me wearing a Nautica shirt with wads of cash in my hand as if I was in a rap video. We were, I was selling the stolen product off these night trucks at a flea market that didn't have air conditioning. And my only thing, my only pay was a breakfast from Burger King, which is how I found out Burger King breakfast was delicious. And we would go there and our biggest selling products were the watches, which are Timex watches, the, especially back then the stretchy wristband, wristbands, excuse me. And you would sell those like Middle Eastern people who would buy them to either resell them overseas, like they would ship them over and they would negotiate, which is how I learned how to negotiate. Uh, so thank you, father, for that great life lesson. And the second selling, biggest selling product was the Billy the Bass Fish that would sing off the wall. It would, its head would come off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those are, oh, we have limited fakes, but hold on. Limited fakes. That was it. That was it. I'm going to say one, two. Uh, yeah, but we had Jeanette not talking. So Jeanette unmute. At the count of three, <laughs> Jeanette and Lou, limited fake Billy Bassfish. One, two, three. Take me to the river. <laughs> All right. Uh, somehow Jeanette won that competition. So anywho, those were, that was my first job and I was getting paid cash. And I'll self-admit that in my freshman year, right after that, year had started i went into playing football i had two cell phones uh right when they first came out had wads of cash uh lost it in the middle of a football high school football game at the gopher bowl i believe is what's called an away game freshman year and that same weekend had to be uh happened to be the weekend before my dad got picked up by a bounty hunter never saw him again uh i was at i was there when the bounty hunter came up and i'll tell you on a later pod teaser how i think i got my dad arrested by this bounty hunter but that's a teaser for another time <laughs> so that was the last time anything existed because they took the cell phones and cash because it was at the football game they didn't take it like i just lost it and the coach sent it back to me took money out of my pot out of my pouch to, to mail it to me which by the way whatever coach that was back then you're a cheap bastard like calm down you could have paid for that mailing i call him a bastard at the weekend before my father left me <laughs> and yeah uh so that was the end of my cell phone era i later had a pager uh eric follow that uh-huh. I hold oh, on, wait, flat. wait, Lou has a follow-up. The, the, the best thing about that whole story that makes it is the Nautica shirt. Oh, the Nautica shirt? <laughs> right? Yes. That makes the whole story because everybody can picture Nautica shirt <laughs> polo that you're wearing. Oh. If, if, if you're born in the, you know, relatively yeah. lived in the 90s. 
it, wait, wait till you see the silver-plated chain with the pit bull charm. Yes, I knew or it. Bulldog. Knew it was a bulldog it. back then, but it looked like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brought straight up, straight up from the same mall that you get the no limit tank. <laughs> All right. Oh. oh, Eric, what was your first job? Uh, it was at a grocery store, um, and it, um, I guess it, it kind of varied depending on who was managing and what your tasks were. It either was super chill and the best job ever or terrible and soul crushing um, well well hold on. i'm gonna ask some follow-ups here because my first legal job was a grocery store and i started pushing carts and i got promoted to cashier and much like witty somehow i got promoted to meat and perishables which happened to be combined with cleaning up toilets and restrooms and that's how cleaning up i think got combined because it was in the back of the grocery store so because the restrooms are back there where you get your meats and your perishables the restrooms are there that's where the promotion came from i don't know how witty's worked so how did your career path work there eric um so basically whenever i got hired on um you're like you know bottom of the food chain or whatever and doing a lot of Freezer work, um, taking out the trash, cleaning bathrooms. So, yes, uh, a, a large piece of me died doing that for sure. Um, but after a while, I was able to like get scheduled all the days where manager did not care at all work and I didn't have to do anything. So, how, how many strolls did you take in the freezer? Strolls. How many bowls of marijuana did you smoke in the freezer? Zero. It wasn't legal back then. I'm a good boy. Okay. Uh, who who was jealous of Billy being on the list for top six? I think Lou knows who was most jealous. Yeah, 100%. Stu Gatz in his head is saying there's no way that Billy should be on that list above me. I should be on that list for some reason, for whatever reason. And it could be anything. He should be like, I should have been on there for weekend observations. Like I obviously should be in the top, but you know, Foxworth and Mina, they're okay being ahead of me, but there's no way Billy should be ahead of me. So I'm with you in two aspects. One, just two guys being two guys. Two, yeah. if you've ever like mentored somebody and then seen them become like a prodigy of their art, as proud as you can be, there's a resentment. And here's why I know this, because I just saw my brother this weekend and he's lost a lot of weight. And I was like, if this mother bleeper becomes in better shape than me after a whole life of not doing that, I will like literally jump off a bridge. So I'm with you. I think Lou is the most jealous. But is there anybody else that's more jealous because of the joke? And here's where I'm going with it. Mike Ryan is great as he is as a boss. And I know Mike Ryan hates me and he thinks I hate him. I think that's where it's like, man, Billy gets to be skeptical Billy his entire life. All I am is corporate Mike and skeptical Billy gets all this love while corporate Mike just gets hated. So I actually think Mike Ryan is the one that's kind of in the back of his head like, what do I need to do to be on top six list? Jeanette is not, she's like waving her head like, you're wrong, you're dumb. And then of course, Mike Ryan fan account. Uh, I'm gonna, I am I have something for you, Mike Ryan fan account. So who Mike, wants to go Mike, first? Oh, Mike go Ryan Mike Ryan doesn't concern himself with the opinions of, you know, of all these little shenanigans. He knows he's the best to ever do radio. Yeah, he only mentions Reddit 50 times a day. Hey, he's just being a producer. AKA, he's doing his job, being the best ever. For those without Zoom, 
Eric, aka my, he literally dropped the hand on me. Like, you know, when you're like, you drop a bomb on somebody like in the your face. Drop. Yeah, he did a mic drop, but I feel Literal like he mic dropped drop. it and mic. kept it in his hand in case he had something else to tell me. No, it was the mic drop. He dropped mic on oh, you. Oh, he dropped mic on me. Pepperoni nips all over my face. All right. So hold on though. Well, I'm like, Eric, I think you deserve about five, ten was outside of the fact that he doesn't concern himself. You So you seriously don't think Eric, or excuse me, Mike Ryan thought for one second damn, Billy Gill just made it to this list just by being funny. Because it's not about being serious. It's who's the funniest. Like I think that whole show is about who could be the funniest. Good answer. Uh, cool. Thank you, Eric. Jeanette, how do you think Eric... Oh, here we are. I doubt it. I don't, I don't think he cares. Okay. He's got bigger <laughs> fish to fry. It, when we edit that, it'll sound a lot more impactful than when we waited 45 seconds for no i'm gonna leave Eric that in to find out we were you give everybody the real real version all right you, uh so we're gonna let jeanette give the real version because lou said that and gave the the greg cody vigorous sip of uh he gave a vigorous sip of a can of something so jeanette, you know you know what honestly now doing it like it feels really good like now I know why Greg Cody does it. But it makes so much sense now. Now that like I did it, like I wasn't really even thinking about it, but like I made a point and I took a sip. And then now that you pointed it out, I'm like, yeah, you know what? That felt really good. It's the best celebration. It's the touchdown. It's the end zone dance that you need. The end zone celebration that of podcast. It's T.O. signing a football with a Sharpie. It is the vigorous whip of a drink. All right. So Jeanette, why do you not believe Mike, right? Or... You disagree with me, so explain your Mike Ryan defense, and then tell me who actually was the most jealous of Billy Gill's top six ranking. No, I kind of have to back up Lou on this one, where it would be Stugatz, because for a while there was um, a lot of the visual representation of the show tends to fall either on Stugatz or Billy or Chris, right? But in this moment, I'm, I'm isolating it to them too. So you could do a tit for tat of stuff that Billy has done and Stu has done. And you could just be like, okay, for this one, like uh, the, the Stu guts, right? So with that one, you can counter with when Billy wore the really short shorts or um, when he had his crazy stuff in the background with the Marlins and the offshore account. So they go one for one and they have like similar seg segments, used to sound montage, weekend observation. The difference is Billy has had his hand in the dirt with the actual NFL. Billy went to when they hosted Super Bowl two years ago. Billy was actually there and he was the one that was actually bringing people onto Radio Row so that Stu Gods could just, you know, yeah, 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 buddy, buddy, you know, come on, stupidity. Billy, but three years before that, he was walking around in the Eagle costume you know, getting pictures and, you know, he did that whole flyby on DDP and he was there, you know, hanging out with the Backstreet Boys. So Billy actually had his hand in the dirt when it comes to NFL coverage that we as fans want, deserve, and need. So advantage Billy, he deserves to be top six. Stu Gatz, you got passed by the student. It is what it is, man. All right, I'm going to wrap this statement up with saying if Billy ever put his hand in the dirt, he'd have two bottles of hand sanitizer, one for each hand, and would literally never do that. But that's fine. I'm still pro Billy. I just think that Mike Ryan's the one most jealous. <laughs> jealous. I got cut off and said, eh, for some weird reason, because Jeanette threw a hand sanitizer bottle in my face in Zoom. So, if you guys, hold on. I, I just oh, go ahead. If you guys had a sounder for uh, that represents hand in the dirt, what would that sound be? 
It would be the Rick Ross grunt. Huh? Did I just put aces, two pocket aces down? Hey, I have a, I have a thing. So, um, not including Mike Ryan because obviously he would kick everyone's ass. Um, Chris, Billy, and Roy, if they did a, a three-way match, like you know, like WWE style, who do you think would win and why? Chris, it's not even close. I don't know why y'all are doing this to Chris Cody. First off, the the set like Chris Cody is over six foot. And if you look at that sandwich uh, cameo that he did, I'm not trying to plug. Like when you see him step away in his kitchen, you see how big Chris Cody is. Like Chris doesn't get the respect to how tall he is. Think about Billy Gill and Mike Ryan. All these, they're all over six foot. Chris is the same height, and look at that weight. And he's the fastest. He Chris Cody is putting in work on all these boys. Like, I'm telling you right now, there's not a thing about it. when when Chris Cody says, "Do you want these hands?" The only people that joke around about, "Do you want these hands?" They're telling you right now, you don't want them hands. It's Chris Cody all day. Like he would wipe, he would wipe the floor with the entire shipping container, starting with Roy, ending with Mike Ryan. Anybody else? I'm sorry. I'm I'm so dedicated to Chris Cody whooping everybody's ass that that just set me off, but go ahead. That, and then also that's why we can plug Chris Cody on this episode and he'll listen to it. <laughs> oh, after after you thirst trapped him into a Jeff and Lou podcast. <laughs> uh, Jeanette, who do you have? Well, he's a fan I'm of Jeanette. Um, so when Eric mentioned this three-way match, my mind just went to like the entrance into the match. And I have Billy using the uh, pole vaulting pole to get into the center of the ring, like with a, with a K, right? So he does like a whole turn and he lands in the middle and then there's like fireworks to go off. Um, I have Roy just, you know, slow walking it down into the ring. and then By the time Roy gets there, the fight's right, over. Right. Oh, and then I have Chris kind of running and then sliding into the ring and he's like the last one in and he gets to just uh kind of like shadow box a little bit but i think, uh, i have to call a time uh, out here Jeanette. so what's going on in the background oh because i'm in my i'm in my brother's room oh, when he yeah. came in he was just being a jerk no right, sorry um, i apologize yeah so i just have chris like he starts the fight and i think he does the thing where he fights them both at the same time and then he'll go and he'll like hide and he'll let Billy and Roy kind of fight each other. And then he'll swoop in and he'll be like the last guy on top. Right. So it'll be like a pancake. Uh, but you have Chris out. winning it. Yeah. But you have him like Looney tuning it where he starts to fight. Like it's like. A yeah. He, he doesn't. He doesn't. Like, yeah. Right. OK. Uh, so, Eric, who do you have? You still have Mike Ryan winning this fight. Mike doesn't. Mike doesn't count because he just went automatically. Um, anyway, so here's what I think would happen. So basically, I love Eric uh, being the parakeet Cortez for Mike Ryan. So they would all three be in the ring. Mike propaganda. Know, and, yeah, they. So all three of them would be in the ring, and it'd be like really awkward because they don't really want to fight each win. other. Go because they're Cody wants that smoke. Because they're friends, you know. So then I feel like Billy would then start the conversation. Be like, all right, guys, we gotta. We gotta get started at some point and try and you know fight each other. And then I think he'd be like, "Hey, Chris, let's team up on Roy." And then while they're like supposedly teaming up on Roy, he would sneak attack Chris, get him out of the ring, and then Roy would beat beat up Billy, and then Roy would win. That's so. My hot Roy. Roy take is: I think Roy would never win a fight in, in most situations. Sorry, Roy. I love you, Dad. 
But that's what you get for being the last person in the shipping container to follow me. I I don't see how anybody has Roy winning a fight here. Like, I'm sorry. Like, there's nothing about Roy that screams uh, "Try me." He's jacked. <laughs> uh, well, you're all jacked when you're incapable of gaining body fat. Hey, hey, no, it's not body shame around here, Flam. That's not body shame. That's like I wish. I wish I could be like Roy, where I could eat leftover wings. Sandwiches and not gain a pound. That's not body shaming. That's body admiration. <laughs> if I eat one leftover wing, I gain 10 pounds. Uh, but all right. So Eric has Roy winning the Royal Rumble over Mike Ryan, specifically in case anybody's not listening. So just for a point on count, I have Chris Cody. Jeanette has Chris Cody. Eric has Roy. He thinks Mike Ryan's the first one to go out. And Lou, who do you have? Oh, it, without a doubt, it's Chris Cody because Chris Cody is the best. He. I mean, Boom. like you said, like, Team like you know, you know, he grew up playing sports. Like he's got it. He's got that all that stuff that he needs. To, yeah, uh, he's got that. Yeah. I've been, I've been elbowed. I've been hit. Uh, yeah, I, I, I ain't afraid of body sweat slipping off me. Like, yeah, there's things about Chris Cody that. I mean, he's such different. a he's such a nice guy. I mean, he he impromptu came on. Jeff and Lou have a podcast with us, and it was it was it's so great of him. It wasn't really impromptu. It was just us hanging out casually and you being uh, the snake that you are. But yeah, good job. Good job learning from uh, the the school of broadcasting. First in class, baby. <laughs> All right. So outside of Mike Ryan, definitely not winning the Royal Rumble. We can all move on to the next subject, which is witty being calculated, which is... I mean, calculated doesn't feel like it has enough syllables to describe somebody that says things like a I won't I can't even remember the term he used today. It was like such a something of words. It was like, oh shut up. Alright, so anywho, um who has a who who was it that had the witty being calculated? I think Lou was saying he was calculated and Jeanette was saying he wasn't calculated. So Lou, what is it you were saying earlier? And I don't think that it's when I say calculated, I think that he's his whole life he's just been good at what he does he's been just been a nice sincere person but like he's calculating and he knows that if he's nice and sincere people are going to put him ahead of everybody else and so that's how i have him it's like because he he is he like he's been on the show like the least and he seems to be getting more and more airtime he seems to be taking over more one he's a professional he's broadcaster he's yeah but he's also a really good broadcaster and he actually can enunciate and pronounce things correctly so when you need something read he automatically gets that, you know, reading spot, which will just prompt him up to the, you know, he just pushes yeah, to, him up. Yeah, to be fair, the, the whole reason we fell in love with the show is because people were really good at reading. All of his proper reading and his words that are four or five syllables. I mean, his words have more syllables than Billy's rants have words. <laughs> but no, you're right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have anything. I, I just mean, like, everybody that new comes on, like, I never find no, anything really you, honestly you bad him. about him but like i mean he's good i mean he's no he on, is good he, he's, he's he's come doing on to our podcast thing. a couple yeah. times so like you know we love witty and you know anytime he wants it, to come back he's welcome here's who i think and as much as i do no i don't say anytime he wants to come back maybe when i'm not there but what i say about witty is no the the real thing i do say about witty is he reminds me of people which are the best people that you do actually have in corporations which are they're really smart they're really good at their job and when you hear them on phone calls you're like, damn, this dude really has it down. But then when you go to happy hour with him, which reminds me of like his Europe story with Mike Ryan, 
it's like, okay, you really like, you understand the business. You're really smart, but you can get down, throw down some beers and we have a good time. And that's the honest truth about Woody. As much as I think that, um, I mean, my continued role is going to be telling him he's not Chris Cody and he's not mad at people, but I do, I will say that. Admittedly, I'll give him that one positive thing because he'll never hear this. And so after this, it'll be like screwed, screw Woody for the rest of my life. Uh, but I do think that's who he is. So I'm with you. Like he's the smart guy that you don't realize is cool until you're done making fun of him at happy hour and you go to happy hour with him. Uh, Jeanette, I don't think you agree with any of this. I think you're completely anti-witty. What's your take? No, I was going to say that based on what we heard today, how he's trying to be the guy that's prepared to intervene in a high uh, intensity situation. Right. So he's already planned out like there's a fight. This is how I'm going to break it up. And I'm going to be like, hey, what are you guys doing? So he he already uh, in his mind, he wants to uh, calculate the angles uh, in a situation. So to me, it's like he's already setting up the situation where he can control it. And when you know what what the road plan is and you know what are the possible uh, issues going on, you're the one that can fix them. So he's pretty much um setting up a trap and he's trying to, to box yeah so he's boxing everybody out uh he did have a slip up today he had like a moment he where he said up. something yeah where he said something wrong and then uh cody jumped in and just laughed in his face and everybody you can't you know, highlight enjoyed it so here's here's why i'm with <laughs> i'm glad you brought that up because what you were saying was he has this foresight i'm gonna throw it to eric next because he's team witty I'm a, he has this foresight Okay, now I'm not going to throw it to Eric because Eric's having internet issues. <laughs> he has this foresight, like, is what you're saying, like, as if he can set the problem. And no, you know who has the foresight that can really set up things for the comedy and the entertainment pieces is Billy Gill. And who Witty is really trying to do, you know, they're doing this Witty Billy, this Witty Chris Cody. Witty is trying to out Billy Gill, out Billy Gill. And here's the problem, Witty. You can't. You tried to out Billy Gill, and that's who he did. He tried to go after Billy Gill. Stay in your lane. You go after Chris Cody because Chris Cody will be nice and play the game with you. You don't go after the killer that is the GOAT, Billy Gill. And Billy Gill put that boy in his place so damn fast it wasn't even funny. He thought he was going to come after Billy Gill and correct Billy Gill. And Billy Gill, who, by the way, didn't care about a corona shot. He wore a suit on a Sunday. He came through and corrected him. Excuse me? So let me teach you something, Witty. Don't you ever come after Billy Gill because Billy Gill does not miss that boy got band-aids for every cut you'll ever have in your life so witty go back after chris and and lose in a fun manner don't come after billy gill don't you do this i made lou go grab another beer to turn it to Bruce. i know that's how good it was i was like oh i need to i need to crack another one for this one but is that not true you can't come after no billy you're right gill. you're right no like billy billy is the most you're right billy kind of is the most underlying and evil one because he yeah billy pushed to, out Charlie. Billy, uh, <laughs> he's the one when he Billy probably instigates everything in text messages and gets everybody else yes. up. Billy Gill's the type that would be like, You got this, you got this, knowing damn well there's something on that last lap that's gonna make you fall in water. And who's there to interview you when you fall in the water? Billy Gill. All right, so after that, we're gonna we're gonna wrap some things up with one last topic, I think. Well, actually, two things, so we're gonna make this real quick. Stu, uh, earlier he said something I can't remember, but Lou could recall. What it was, uh, he, he went somewhere to some place. It's okay. not really. A so place. Uh, this morning when I was listening to the commercial for DraftKings and he was talking about like, I spend more time at DraftKings than I do at my house. 
And so they got me thinking to like this uh, funny scenario where I imagine Stu guys tells Abby that he's leaving uh, and he's going out for the day or he's going out and he goes to like a parking lot and just gets on DraftKings and spends, you know, eight hours gambling because he doesn't want to be at home while he gambles. He wants to go out to DraftKings. So, so with that said, DraftKings sounds like a place to do guys. Like DraftKings isn't an app where we get on our phone on the couch. So let's all imagine what is DraftKings? If you imagine Stugatz had a location anywhere in the world named DraftKings, it could be a bar, it could be anything in the world. What right, does DraftKings look like for Scott? So Lou, what is it? For me, and this just came to me. So if uh, have you guys both seen Happy Gilmore? Yes, not in a long time, but go. Okay, but you know when he tells Happy to go to his happy place? And you know it's it's you know right that that's what DraftKings for Stugatz is is when he goes there that's what it's like it's like <laughs> slot machines are always winning there's you know uh, cigarette dispensers always free and he just pulls them and it's like everybody's like hey buddy that was a great bet like you're such a great guy and like <laughs> that's that's what he's on the app that's what a DraftKings so, for Stugatz is so I pictured DraftKings one yeah it, it's it's basically the golf course it's everything that he wants in life. That can't happen every day. I feel like it evolved over the pandemic where DraftKings is now Stugatz taking a stroll and then ending up in his game room that we've seen and putting on a live dead show on his TV. So to me, DraftKings is, he doesn't know, he he thinks he left. He took a stroll, came back home, ended up in his game room, and he thinks he's at in Mexico at the sand, whatever it's called. And he thinks he's watching uh, the death show, dead show, excuse me, death live. Show. Jeanette, what is his draft games. Yeah, I could only add to this uh, fantasy situation and say that um, there's also a lot of chicken wings with blue cheese, just mount, just uh, gallons and gallons of blue cheese. And uh, what he hears when he's picking his bets or he's making his bets, I just imagine that it's Bill Walton giving him the lines. <laughs> and, and he's just like, gotta go with Bill. Gotta go with Bill. <laughs> So all of our DraftKings involve uh, Stu just being right next to his home, whether it be on the golf course or not. His DraftKings location is him just under the influence somewhere near home. All right, so the last subject we're going to do, we'll make it rapid fire because uh, I know we have uh, a short time window. The most shady thing, which has nothing to do with the show, but personally we were all talking today, and uh, my wife did something that she randomly does and I do something shady to counter it because I'm petty. And I'm wondering what your shadiest thing is. So I'll start with saying what my wife does, and we'll ignore the fact that she's pregnant so the world doesn't judge me. Uh, what she does is we have a recycling bin that isn't our true recycling trash can, right? Just a bin that is a large-sized bin right outside our garage door, which is right next to our kitchen. She will leave anything that's recyclable, if I said that right, Anywhere in the kitchen, she won't do it. I have to pick it up and take it. And all I have to do is open the door. Boom, right there. All right, I just have to drop it in. It's not yet to be specific. And my wife thinks she's the best free throw shooter in the history of her high school because the records say so, but whatever. So all she has to do is open the door, drop a bottle in there, right? When I have to go pick up the recycling behind her in the kitchen, what I do as the man, as you're supposed to take out the trash... I'll take out the trash at times in which she's either eating takeout food or a bag of chips, something that's like small where I know she has to throw it away next. She could be cleaning. I don't care. I'll take out the trash. I'll put it in the trash can, but I will not replace the trash bag as my lesson of 
Now you have to replace the trash bag because you did not take this bottle of milk or emptied carton of milk out to recycling. So it's super petty, but it's my life lesson. It makes me feel better. Like I know I had to walk to the garage. Now you have to open up a whole trash bag and make it fit in the trash can. What do y'all do that's super petty? To significant other, Lou, I know you're married, Jeanette, I know you're not, but just what's something petty you do to family members to make them realize, be better? So I don't, mine's not messed about being better. It's just, I like to mess with my wife because she likes things to be a certain way. So like, for an instance, like we have one of those light switches where like, it's like two on one side and one on the other side that kind of controls like one. So yep. like, she really liked to have the one, two on the side. She liked them when they were both down, they were both off and when they were both up. But what I kept on doing for like, I did this for about two months is that I would go over and flip them constantly. Just not tell her. I just randomly do it throughout <laughs> the day. So for like ever, like, she, and every time I would come back the next day, they would be flipped back. Right. So I know that she was doing it. And so like, I kept doing it. And then finally, like one day she was like, you're doing it. Like it was you, you've been messing with the did, switch the whole time. Did she catch you in the act? And she just realized like, this is, there's no way I did this wrong. I think, I think I, I, it was one of those things where I was doing it for so long. So I was now finally, I kind of like made it like, I let her kind of see me. me oh, okay. It. You got lazy about right, it. Right. Right. Well, yeah. Cause it, it kind of like it once, like when you do something to someone, like after a while, when they don't figure it out and they don't realize it, like then you're just kind of being mean. Well, no, no, that, that's what you think. You think that you did it because you felt being mean. What it is, is that most of psychos like us, we appreciate somebody recognizing the crime we're committing. And so when you're not, when you don't get the recognition of the crime you're committing, you're like, you have to let the victim know that you're doing it. So that's the problem. I know that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. That's true. Yes. I wanted them to, I wanted, yes. In the end, I, I wanted her to know. That you want the appreciation of your, of your genius. Yeah. Uh, I love that you twisted it as if like, I felt so bad. I had to learn. No, I was like, no, nobody else was appreciating your genius. So you had to let the victim of your crime know you did it. That's correct. Jeanette, how do you torture your family? Hi, Jeanette. It's Jeff and Flam. How do you torture your family? Hi, Je- <laughs> Jeff. It's not even that right. You know, my Lemon God. Lou. <laughs> Jeff's not on <laughs> you, this podcast. You. That's a fine. Oh, I oh just my said Jeff and Flynn. You said Jeff. Wait, you want to be Jeff, huh? Um, I don't know. Since I don't have a significant other, uh, I, you know. No, you I, live, I do with, live with family. My, you do no, something petty. I live with yeah. family. Yeah, and it is, you know, hectic. You know each other. You know each other. So. You don't, like, hide uh, someone's, like, drink when they, like, leave the room or you don't. No. You know. One of the things that I, I used to do before was was uh this like the outlets so like the appliances in the rooms i would disconnect them and then i would try to hide the outlets so you couldn't tell it was disconnected so like some of them are behind curtains so i would move it so if my brother was being a brat and he wanted to come home and game he would just like think that it was like something else going on the console like whatever turn it on go on it whatever you would never realize that it was the fact that the tv was on so you can only do that for like so many times. Um, but it's always funny because you just get like an hour or whatever it is of them trying to figure it out. It's really funny. So I have to ask a question that before we wrap this up. Did you do that? And Lou, I'm sure you have follow up. But did we do that or did you do that? Because is this back in the AOL days where you would your phone line and your internet 
could not work at the same time. So like you could hear somebody calling. So you had to unplug it. Like fuck your phone call, bro. I'm trying to I'm trying to get my ASL on. No, this would have been okay, maybe so like well two after. two three years ago when okay, you're just yeah, like well after, yeah. they're they're gonna start gaming and be loud. And maybe it's a point where you're just like I just want quiet. I want to decompress and enjoy my TV show and like whatever be in my headspace. And you can't do that. So it's like okay, the preemptive move is to unplug their stuff. Uh, but then when they figure out and they do it to you, you don't know whether to be upset or to be proud. So, um, yeah, it does come around. So you can only get away with it first so far before you realize who's actually doing it. Uh, this will end tonight's post-post game. Uh, thank you again to, first off, our founder of Mike Ryan fan account, now known as Go Piss. Mike Ryan, Eric, and uh, I don't know if he has any other aliases. He's been around for so long. Lou, aka Bruce in sales. Thank you, you for driving me. At, you can find me at uh, at Sugat's Army seven ninety. Yeah, and honestly, follow him because like the the merchandise that he's given our guest and my uh, my son that I just said I would give up. Oh no, Sugat seven ninety got us, and then Jeanette, our most efficient. So Jeanette, thank you. Oh, go ahead. You, you, you know, you you kind of like froze for a second. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, put this on the poll. Would he have corrected me if I didn't freeze during his uh his promotion? Not at all. <laughs> I added I added a new thing to my uh my bio as a uh, uh procurer of office supplies. The printer in the fridge. We haven't been thanked for well, I say we Lou hasn't been thanked for a lot of things that he's given this show. Anywho, on that note, what we'll do is we're gonna say that we're glad that y'all stick Wait, with us. We apologize. The uh uh outro uh, Je- uh Jeanette. is that the right term we did did we okay yeah i, I, th- oh, I thought i cu- i i thought we cut i i no you did, did but here's the thing is people know where Je- all right um let's you know what you you get to edit this so all right no you're absolutely right so that's how you follow lou and sales bruce and sales i apologize i was cut off i feel like i just got cut off again what's your handle Jeanette? j or one seven. Oh, i wish it was my birthday and for those of y'all not listening that's at j a y h e r one seven yes correct spelling Boom. awesome though you know technically we don't have to say this because when we tweet out the links and like it's in the bio and it's in the link. So you can just click. Yeah. On the, it's funny right? that you say that after you made sure that I asked <laughs> that you asked me if I tagged her <laughs> and then Jeanette celebrating me as if I'm a second grader for spelling J her correctly. So thank you both for uh, upping my confidence tonight. We look forward to talking to y'all again next Monday. We'll be back with uh, some of our normal crowd, maybe even some of these people uh, until then enjoy that boring thing that we call midweek mentions. Peace.